Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Shazam! Fury of the Gods. We are at war. We won't annihilate everything. Champions of this realm can do nothing to stop us. You are very menacing. I just want you to know that. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Shazam! Fury of the Gods. And the story is as follows. Bestowed with the powers of the gods, Billy Batson and his fellow foster kids are still learning how to juggle teenage life with their adult superhero alter egos. When a vengeful trio of ancient gods arrives on Earth in search of the magic stolen from them long ago, Shazam and his allies get thrust into a battle for their superpowers, their lives, and the fate of the world. The film is starring Zachary Levi, Asher Angel, Jack Dylan Grazier, Rachel Zegler, Adam Brody, Ross Butler, Megan Good, Lucy Liu, Jaimon Hunsu, and Helen Mirren. It is directed by David F. Sandberg, and it is written by Henry Gaiden and Chris Morgan. Here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Giovanni Lago. Taste the rainbow. And Isaiah Washington. Hey, what's happening? Well, we got our Shazam sequel. Uh, I don't want to know... I don't know. Was this, like, greatly anticipated by people? I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I don't know. But I will say this. I will say in defense of Shazam, the 2019 film, when it came out, I went in with the lowest of expectations. I thought that movie was going to be pure crap from top to bottom. I walked out and I thought to myself, you know what? Better than I expected. It was a fun, good time. It was harmless at the end of the day when all is said and done. And I could see myself being, you know, probably below the age of 10, like 7, 8 or so, and really loving this as a kid. And then from that perspective, I thought Shazam really worked. Fury of the Gods attempts to capture the same magic as the first film and add more onto it here. Obviously, of course, this time around, the kids are now... Uh, being played by adult actors as well in these alternative identities as their big buff. (laughs) Everyone's just super strong, though, all grown up. Everybody, everybody (laughs) is in their prime here. It's it's got a unique flavor to it compared to the first film in some regards, while still trying to carry over some of the character development from the first, especially for Billy, who is playing the lead character here. So... What did we ultimately think of Shazam! Fury of the Gods? Did it evoke fury in all of us? Did it cause us to maybe retitle this movie Shazam? God damn it. I don't know. Isaiah, what did you think? So when it comes to the first Shazam, I agree. The film was definitely a lot greater than what I expected it to be. I thought it was a really good, solid superhero film and installment to what was, I guess, previously known as the DCEU. 
this film, I when that first trailer dropped last year, I believe it was last year, I was in love with it. I was invested and I just wanted this movie to come out so I can enjoy it. However, with a lot of its pushing date and how it kind of pushed further, the further it pushed along and the more news we heard about the changing and kind of the rebooting of what we know as the DCEU, it kind of made me less excited for this movie. And I went into this film just being open as much as I can, trying to enjoy myself as much as I can. And I am very mixed on this movie. There are elements of this film that I think are a bit better than the original. I do think some of the the acting from the ensemble and just that overall chemistry is a bit better. I was more invested into the villains and even some of the, it's not saying much, but even some of the action set pieces I found to be a little bit more creative, especially in the VFX department. But unfortunately, there are a lot of subplots and even some story arcs that feel almost unearned and underdeveloped especially with the tone of this film, like the first film, it's trying to balance that family-friendly aspect, but you also see a bunch of these demons just biting off people's heads. And this film somewhat does it better, but it's not quite there enough to where it goes through the finish line all the way. It's This movie is just an overall mixed bag, and I'm kind of having a hard time seeing where I land or lean towards for the most part. Okay. All right. That's totally fair. I get it. What about you, though, Giovanni? Did you like Shazam! Fury of the Gods? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I want a preference. I remember seeing the first, like, in the comedy, Shazam's like, again, it's like a kid gets powers, and it's literally a child in the body of a grown man doing superhero stuff and the first film really sold that well and i, I agree with you matt i was very surprised like I, I remember getting out of it and i was like that was not bad that was a pretty solid movie and you know the whole family dynamic was great in the first film and and you know zachary levi whatever you give or take uh whether you're a chuck fan or not i mean it works he, what he does works the whole shazam shtick and dylan grazer's great and so, so this one, you know, I mean, I was like, okay, I'll watch it. I was enjoying the first one. And then the trailer came out. I didn't even watch the trailer for a while later after it came out. And I saw it. I was like, ooh, all right. And then I saw the movie. And it's just sequel-itis on steroids of where everything has to just be bigger and more and just everything on excess. I think... One big problem I really did not enjoy about it is um, we don't really see young Billy a bunch. It's mostly him and his Zachary Levi form. I know like a huge storyline of this film is Billy is getting older and aging out of the foster system. And if you remember the first film, all the stuff he deals with the baggage of his family, you know, family is core thing in this movie. It's very repeated over and over. Um, and I felt like, that side of him wasn't done as much service compared to just the Zachary Levi part, so he can just fight stuff and do quips. The villains uh, talk about cash in, like, I'm just here to collect my check 
cartoony well not even cartoony because they're just incredibly generic there's no hamminess or anything played up to it's not like pedro pascal and wonder woman where he's just like i know what this movie is i'm just dialing it up to an 11 everyone is just incredibly monotone rachel ziegler is good you know she's she's like hey i'm I'm gonna try to cook a little bit um dylan grazer is good um i just i don't know it's just incredibly generic like superhero film it just feels like everything we've seen just put in a a, i'm not even a pressure cooker like a crock pot and it's just marinating and then by the time the meal's done you know at the end of the movie you're just like incredibly underwhelmed especially we're gonna get into it the ending of this movie was just 100 where i was just like i was like okay this is like meh the ending of this movie is incredibly where i was like no fuck this i'm sorry (laughs) no that is not good but I mean, and there's and then there's things like the humor is like the the family dynamic when they're bouncing around jokes are funny. And, you know, like it's not like, oh, it's entirely undesirable to watch. Like, I'm sure, again, like the first one you mentioned, man, if you have kids, I'm sure, you know, there's something there for them to enjoy. But personally, for me, this was not really my thing. Totally get that. Totally understandable. I think that this movie is extremely extremely as the kids would say mid <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was having an okay time with it for the most part but then every now and then something would happen something that would just throw me off and i would say oh my god they're back at it again look at them not taking their storytelling seriously practically winking at the camera They might as well be grabbing the lens and kissing it full on. It is so incredibly cheesy and so geared towards kids, which is usually not a problem. It's not. But I think they take it a step too far here in some instances. I can get behind the character arc that Billy is going through in this movie. He's about to age out of the foster home. We've established that, like the the Fast and the Furious films, these movies are about family. Oh, and there's the joke to remind you that about that. Remember, of course, because but that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, <laughs> you're gonna reference the Fast and the Furious movies in Shazam, try and do this whole meta humor angle, and it doesn't work. When the movie works is when they're focusing on these individual characters. And giving them relatable stories that touch the heart, that charm us. That's when this movie works. But when they try to act too cute or too, oh, look at us. We're being funny because we're referencing that thing. Or even more poorly, just ask uh, Michael Bay how this turns out, how this turned out for him. When you try doing overt product placement in your movies, or how about uh, the inclusion of characters within the DCEU. I don't even know if the DCEU is even a thing anymore, to be honest with you. I still have no idea what this company is ultimately doing in terms of trying to incorporate characters, continue stories, because I just think it's such a convoluted mess at this point. That doesn't even have sufficient payoff. So what am I left with? I'm left with a a cast that is somewhat charming at times, You know, Zachary Levi, he's not my favorite person right now at the moment, but I will admit he's got some charisma. He brings a bit to this that makes it an entertaining watch. 
You got Lucy Liu, Helen Mirren. They're there. <laughs> Listen, Hel- Helen Mirren has clearly established that every now and then she just wants to get paid. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Jaiman Hunsu, you know, he did an article uh, recently where he talked about how, you know, given the filmmakers he's worked with, the Academy Award nominations he's received, he still struggles to get a job nowadays. And mm-hmm. I find that to be incredibly disheartening because it feels like Shazam Fury of the Gods is like the first time in a long time where I get the sense that like he's actually had a substantial part in a movie. Yeah. And he's fun in it. Yeah. Like him and Dylan Grazer together have some like jokes here and there where I'm like, okay, you know, it's a, the running gag of him like not saying his name right. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, it's cute. It's just, I agree. Like, he needs more. Like, we need to do more. Like, everything we just did for Michelle Yeoh and Brendan Fraser, let's do it. I agree. Let's do it. <laughs> I mean, have people not seen in America Amistad, Gladiator, Blood Diamond? Yeah. Yeah. Like, this guy's the real deal. Give him stuff, you know? But I just feel like he's been doing these blockbuster movies, uh, Quiet Place Part Two, The King's Man, uh, Black Adam, he showed up as this character, the wizard again. The wizard doesn't even have a goddamn name. He's just called the wizard. (laughs) For goodness sake. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. But at the end of the day, I didn't hate this movie, but. It was definitely a step down from the first one for me because I, I once again, I think they just milked it for all it was worth. And all of a sudden now we're starting to realize that that cow is starting to go dry. More like two steps down, but okay. That's totally fair. Listen, you know what? Lucy Liu riding a big wooden mystical dragon in this movie totally elevated the film for me. That did not do anything for me, uh, honestly. <laughs> I, like, I like CGI dragon fights. I don't know what it is about me, but... Even in Game of Thrones, when it was like, oh, my God, this final season is so shitty. I was like, dragons? Okay, yeah, this is this is fun. Same thing here. The film, you know what it worked best for me was literally when it was just focusing on the younger version. So, like, Dylan Grazer, when he's in school, and then he meets uh, Rachel Ziegler's character, Anne, mm-hmm. quote-unquote Anne, because you find out later in the movie stuff about her. Um, just like, you know, like the awkwardy high school kid, you know, talking to the girl and they're just all that stuff and him talking to Billy and he's like, look, I'm trying to do my own thing. And all that was like, I was like actually into. And then more so it's when they go to the superhero stuff and they're just punching shit. I'm like, why do I, why I don't care about this as much. Like this is, I'm supposed to like want to see the superhero stuff be done by the superheroes. And it's the total opposite for me. The problem is that when in the first act of this film, I got the sense that they were going to do more of a balance between both the superhero lives and the kids' lives and how they're they're they like struggle to keep that lifestyle and which lifestyle are they going to prioritize. You kind of even get that sense between Billy and his foster sister. But the problem is that consistency in the balance is never it's never fresh. You, you, they obviously prioritize 
the superhero lives more than the actor foster kids lives. And I agree with you, Gio, that if you're going to have to prioritize one, do what made the first film successful. And that was seeing the foster kid of Billy Baxton, that 14 year old kid, not the actual Shazam superhero. Also, I, I will say, though, one bit this movie does that I'm like, OK, that's funny, is the grown up version of Darla played by Megan Good is like oh, her yeah, she's ev- like on steroids. So like everything she reacts to is from like a very little kid version where she's like, oh, how sweet. Like there's a sequence where she's like saving the cats and then she saves the cats first or ever like the way she talks is like, OK, like I'm being sold that this is actually a kid. Performance-wise of the grown adults, that probably is the best performance of the movie. I loved her in this. The best performance, really? I don't know about the best for me, but like I, I, I was I mean, like, I'm not gonna be funny. funny. Zachary Levi is not doing anything in this movie that I think is any greater than the first film. I mean, yes, he's charming. I was but... gonna say, like, nobody's giving a great performance in my opinion, though. Period. I'm just saying, for what they're given, for what they have to do, I think that she was the most consistently entertaining aspect when we were focusing on the grown adults okay okay yeah great performance maybe not but she for me was the one that i cleaned on to the most because i can rely on her being the most consistently good thing about the grown-up adult versions of the shazams you know one of the uh, casting announcements that has a lot of people excited is rachel zegler here because this is her uh, follow-up film to west side story so there's been a lot of anticipation to see how she would you know, fair in this kind of movie. And I didn't think that she was terrible. Once again, I don't think anyone's necessarily great in this movie, but Mm -hmm. I don't know who's giving like a really poor performance considering the material. Like you said, Isaiah, Um, I I think that she's a little slightly overrated by her fans. Um, I thought she was great in West Side Story, to be clear. But here it's like, I'm seeing a lot of people, Saying, oh my god, isn't she just fantastic? Oh, she walked away from the movie unscathed. No, she didn't. Stop it. Everybody in this movie looks pretty bad, you know, to be a part of this. She's mainly just the high school and then, like, hi, high school girl, new girl, and then it's like, sorry. Yeah, no, like, everyone wants to, like, protect her and act like, you know, this isn't a bad choice on her part. She's fine. She knows. She's literally gone and be like, well, I needed a job. And then literally she posted on Instagram. She was like, hey, uh, watch the movie for the plot. And it's just a photo of her. Yeah, so exactly. I think she to a knows. degree, she like knows. Like she knows. And like she'll be fine because she's going to do Snow White after this. And she's worked with Spielberg and she's going to do other great stuff. So like she'll be and good. Matt, I think it's more of just the idea that and I'm not trying. I'm not I'm not accusing people of this. This is just a theory. I could be wrong with this, but. I just feel like there is just a desperate, like, you're just trying to scrape up whatever type of thing that you could salvage that's good from this movie. It's probably one of the reasons why I kind of, and of course I took it back, like, I wouldn't say great performance, but good performance. I think people are just trying to find something good to scrape out of this movie because there was there was a time where this movie was anticipated. I think what hurt the anticipation is multiple aspects that kind of drew out that long release date. Of course, with DCEU changes. And of course, when it came to like aspects of Rachel Zegler. And I think that people are just trying to be desperate and find something that is good about this. And I think she's one of those things that people want to cling on to. 
I don't doubt that. I think the release date being moved for this movie definitely hurt it in the long run, especially considering that, like I said earlier, who was really like looking forward to this? I mean, truly, like who who do we know really wanted to watch this? I mean, even now that it's out in theaters, I I begrudgingly went to it like, ah, okay, I guess we're doing this. And I wish that they were able to just pull back on some of the goofiness and the silliness a little bit. And if they had just done that, I think I would have liked this a lot more. I'm okay with it being geared towards kids. I can live with that. You know, I could tap into my inner childhood and say, yes, give me more. But when you do some ridiculous, stupid shit like this movie does at times, just for a laugh or a gag, I I just don't understand why some people haven't figured this out yet. I, I feel like there are other studios and other films out there from a blockbuster standpoint that have this formula down pat. And no, people, I am not talking about the MCU. So get <laughs> off my back right now. That's not what I'm referring to here. But I do think that there is a way to do this kind of family entertainment without it having to resort to the bottom of the barrel in terms of theatrics and in terms of jokes. There, There is a way to pull this off and have it be endearing and redeemable. Hell, like I said, I think the first Shazam, perfectly fine. Yep. Perfectly okay movie. I think that just ultimately ties into the biggest problem this movie. I think like the first, it was like, the first movie was practically big, but with superpowers. And then everything with Billy's mother, it just felt so much more contained. And then it's just, you know, I just want to do more. I just want to be a bigger movie and everything kind of just loses the charm of what makes Shazam in the first place good. And I think that that's another problem we just had with another superhero movie that came out recently with Ant-Man. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it was just the whole thing was the cool caper heist type thing. So, and all the surrounding like characters that Scott Lang had around him. And then this third one's like, okay, but what if we like try to set up the next 20 movies, quantum stuff? Cool. And it's just like, you're taking everything about what makes the character so charming and like the, the previous film. And then you're just abandoning it because you just want to do something bigger and better. And then even with the end credit scene, which we'll probably talk about later, it's just like, okay, we're just trying to set up more shit. And it's just like, I just, like the first movie, like the scene where like he goes and finds his mom and he's talking, like everything about that, I was like, damn, that was like actually mm-hmm. really moving. And like, even like Matt says, like it is geared towards kids. Like it just worked. And then, and this one is just more like, it's just more, I'm trying to find the word to say, just superhero fodder in terms of like we're just gonna have dragon fight cgi battle at the end like dc type stuff you know laser beam in the sky giant cg fight and uh unicorns with skittles yeah (laughs) i I think i could have lived with the unicorn bit in this movie had they actually shown the payoff Mm -hmm. to the moment it feels like they just show up they charge, and then it's like all of a sudden they ran out of money. No, I like the Skittles bit in the beginning was like something I wasn't even paying attention to because like they didn't even show like the bag or nothing. You know, it's just like, oh, you're leaving Skittle in my pockets, like Sib, Darla and the older version. I, I want to say Mary. This like, you know, just like sister stuff going on. I'm like, OK, then literally to like we need 
a unicorn and then the unicorn comes and it's the slow-mo throw of the skittles right up to her like shaking the bag where you can clearly see the skittles logo and then her going taste the (laughs) rainbow (laughs) where i was just like okay no i'm sorry this is where i put my foot down you know what's the real fundamental flaw of this movie now that i'm thinking about it it's the fact that they now have to take the cast from the first film these kids and that's what made the first film i think so likable was this cast of kid characters played by kids Mm-hmm. And they are split this time between an adult Shazam version and the original kid version. Yep, totally. Agree. Where in the first film, you've got Billy and Shazam and with Zachary Levi and Asher Angel. Here now, you've got Jack Dylan Grazier and Adam Brody. And mm-hmm. as we were mentioning before, Megan Good and Faith Herman and so on and so forth. And I think that is ultimately the piece of this film that is missing is more emphasis on the kids and what the kids are going through. Mm -hmm. You know, look at something like Stranger Things, which has been able to incorporate science fiction, horror, action, and all these different genre elements. But at the end of the day, it's still just a story about these kids growing up. This movie, or these two movies, needed to be a continuing story about these kids growing up within the foster care home system and the challenges that they go through as they are getting older. But that is lost in this second film because they are too focused on having to um, put emphasis on the Shazam characters. Too much of this film's runtime is given to these Shazam characters. And I would feel better, a lot better if there was more of a balance between them, like how there's that balance between Spider-Man. Like what is it like? being Spider-Man, but also having to be this kid, Peter Parker. It doesn't work here. And I think that a good example is this subplot that has little to no payoff between Billy and his foster mom, in which he calls her by her actual like government name. And I'm thinking to myself, why are we wasting all of this time trying to, in this, in this really lame Batman cave, Dr. Strange like Cave, instead of actually focusing on what made the first film good, and that is building those relationships with the foster parents and the foster kids. And I feel like by the time you get to the third act, by the time there's this emotional moment between Billy and his uh, foster mom, while yes, the actors do the best what they can, it doesn't feel earned because you wasted time. And I agree with you, that is really, one of the biggest flaws about this film that ultimately makes this movie a very undercooked like execution. Also, I got to ask, is it just me? Cause I think another problem is just the villains of this. There's a sequence where, because for the most part, before the reveal of Ziegler being one of the sisters, it's Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu. And there's a scene where they go to like this prison and mm-hmm. they're talking to the wizard. And I, for a brief moment, I'm just sitting there and I feel like they're speaking a foreign language because every word of dialogue they are saying for like this exposition just feels like random words. I was like, I feel like they just put like a bunch of random words and just like played Scrabble and they're just like that one, that one. Oh, I barely forgot. I don't know. I don't I was like, I don't know what you're saying. Like, I don't like what like what is this like lore, I guess? Like, I just I don't. 
I don't understand these words. And then it's just like their motivations are incredibly simple. And like none none of the like relationships developing between them are like entirely surprising. Mm-hmm. And then that just channels into another big problem with this whole movie and just DC in general is that clearly this movie's villain should have been Black Adam. Like 100%, like, and for the reference, for anyone listening, Black Adam was not even that big of a character till like 12 years ago, maybe. He is mainly a Shazam villain. Why not? Because, like, I like scrap all the stuff, focus more on the kids, the foster system, like we've been saying, and then, like, just toe to toe, Shazam, Black Adam. You would sell more tickets, but, like, you're not going to get that because, again, you know, Black Adam was, like, The Rock's personal. Uh, passion mm-hmm. project and the rocks definitely the type of guy who's like i i we saw what happened in fast and furious it's like i need the uh i need the cloud i need my own thing you know but mm-hmm. clearly that's what the film needed like th- that like at least with the rock who has a semi decent ish charm probably could have played off levi a bit better than just helen mirren i guess who's great you know but like this is clearly like her fast and furious type stuff where she's like hey I'm just I'm just chilling right now. And Lucy Liu, who I don't think is great in this movie whatsoever. It's not like the material there to help her out is great, but I'm just like, oh my lord. Like it's clearly missing like something compelling and antagonist side, because then you're just watching this and you're like, Well, I mean, Shazam's gonna win. He's a superhero. They're bad guys, good guys win. Like, there's no like moment in time where I'm like, I legitimately felt like any threat to the family at all was like sustainable or legitimate. Cause I was like, y- you know, like, and maybe that's I, just because, you know, the genre tropes of it all of just like, you know, like what you're getting into. But I mean, there's at least other superhero movies where I'm watching. I at least feel like, dang, wow. Okay. I don't know. Like maybe not, but this time I, I wasn't sold one bit. I'm going to have to slightly disagree with you on that. Even though I felt absolutely no threat for Billy and, by the time the film reaches its climax, I just kind of saw most of the stuff coming of how the film would resolve. But one of the interesting aspects about this that I did enjoy, well, yes, I agree, the villains, their motivations, eh, undercooked. But I think where they lacked motivation, they definitely made up for their menacing, uh, like threatening presence. Every time that these characters came on screen, I did kind of feel a sense of intimidation from them, especially from this MacGuffin that they had, which was basically in the first film. It's this, it's the staff thing that Shazam broke in the first film. And I actually thought it would, there was some, that's where the film introduced some creativity within the visual effects and, and the action, especially in which arts, the specific powers that cater towards the personalities of these characters that i was like okay that's interesting like the opening museum sequence i was like oh this is this is good this is good because i actually felt that threatening presence for them there's even this one scene where one of the characters she ends up making another character commit suicide right in front of our main hero's eyes and it's kind of a little bit, a bit terrified. Like there's a bit of that, like the first film, there's a bit of that horror element tonally that I think kind of somewhat works for this film. And that's something that I, I enjoyed a little bit more than the first film. I, I kind of like the villains a little bit more than the first film here. I thought that they were fine. 
I I do like the opening scene. I do like the horror. I do like that there are people legitimately dying. They are terrified. It does set up a very menacing quality about them. I also did like, too, that they were three generations of sisters. Oh, wait, is that a spoiler? Um, I'm sorry. Uh, nope. There are two generations of uh, sisters here. Um, but the dynamic... The chemistry seemed to be lacking between them. That's the thing that kind of hurt was that there didn't seem to be like any spark between them as a on-screen duo. And then I would also add too that at the end of the day, I don't care so much about the good guys versus the bad guys saving the world story. I'm more invested in these characters. I, I want to know if Freddy is going to end up dating Anne, even though Anne is, you know, there's an age difference here between the two. I love the joke where they're like, what's with our kids and older women? Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. The age gaps jokes were funny. They were funny. Yeah, I mean, I could see it being read into as not funny and kind of wrong, but. It, it it walks a fine line here. Um, also, too, another uh, shout out that I'll say is the overall like visual effects work in this movie, which I know is something that in superhero films has been often criticized a lot as of late. I didn't think it was poor compared to what I saw in Ant-Man recently. I actually did think that there were some moments where it was actually pretty decent. And then there mm-hmm. were other moments where it could, you could clearly see that they needed more time, more money. But on the whole, I, I have been saying this for a little while now with some consistency. Um, and, I, and I do think at this point it is maybe a trend. I think that DC has better visual effects work than the MCU, consistently speaking. I'm going to put it this way. Saying that this film is better than Ant-Man is like saying left Twix is better than right Twix. It's really not saying much for me, but I guess I would agree with you because one of the creative aspects that I was talking about in my opening of the this episode is there are creative elements that I did enjoy. One of them was I did like the VFX work on Rachel Zegler's, uh, is, uh, yes, Rachel Zegler's powers and how that felt like something creative and not to necessarily say I've never seen something like that before. It's very reminiscent of something like a Doctor Strange, but I think it definitely carries on its own and kind of represents on its own. As far as DC EU's VFX, I've kind of been hit or miss throughout the entire franchise. I mean, there are definitely underrated projects like man of steel that i think deserve more credit than what they're given but overall i i agree the vfx are fine slightly better than the first film but not by far yeah they're fine (laughs) (laughs) it's fine it's fine yeah it's it's i've seen i've already seen way worse this year so you know like yeah yeah, I'll let it slide. Sure. <laughs> let's um, let's move over to spoilers here, really quick. I wanna I wanna talk oh, about uh, two two things in particular. The ending, please. Coming up on Five Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. 
you might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. First of all, we got to mention the Gal Gadot camera okay. here. Okay, here's yeah, you, you where, go first. Here's where absolutely... <laughs> And I just want to – I saw this yesterday. It was like a 3.40 showtime, okay? There was honestly more people there than I thought. We're watching it. And I knew – okay, I knew this was going to happen because they straight up just showed it in a TV promo because if you look at how this movie's performing right now, it's it's going to have a pretty disappointing opening weekend. So they're like, wait, Wonder Woman's in this. Let's, let's get people to go. And this is spoilers. We've mentioned spoilers. The ending of the movie – Billy dies, which in back of my mind, you're like, okay, obviously, like he's going to come back, you know, because they're not just going to kill the lead of your superhero. Yeah. But also, let's 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 play into it. Let's be like, okay, they actually killed Billy. You know, they're having a funeral sequence and like this whole afterlife thing. We're like, okay, wow. You know, kind of give us some emotion. There's actual, I guess, quote unquote, stakes. Then, then um, the wizard's like, yeah, there's no magic. If only a god could uh, – there's no more gods to do it. And then you just hear the background and the monotone voice we love. Imagine like, you know, he's like, but enough champagne to fill the Nile. They're like, but there is. And then it's – I swear, once the guitar riff happened, everyone in my theater was laughing. And I was like, <laughs> oh, that is not good because it is not played for laughs at all. And I was like – Ooh, and that moment happened. I was like, screw you. That is just such a, oh my God. Just being like, well, we're connected universe and we just get Wonder Woman to save. I'm just like, come on. Like, really? That's so dumb. I was just, I wasn't infuriated because I just don't have the energy to be like invested in that. But I was just like, that is incredibly stupid. And also one of the funniest things I've seen this year. And especially what made it better, again, amazing guitar riff. Like, I can't remember who came up with the theme, whether it was Zimmer or Junkie XL or mm-hmm. it rocks. But here again, in the context of that scene was hysterical. And I was just like, oh, my Lord. I Like, definition of, like, eye roll. What I really hated about it was I really could not stand the previous scene where they have, like, a date. Oh, yeah. And Uh, they show Gal Gadot completely from behind, implying, Mm -hmm. oh, we weren't able to get her for this movie, so we had a a double stand-in, and we shot someone from behind. It's really, I I think, just so obvious and just cheap. And in a way, I just feel like they are not treating the audience fairly with something like that. I, I think it is meant to be played for laughs. I don't know, really, though. I, I, they probably really did not have her on set that day, for real. I will say, it didn't bother me at first, because I knew she was in the movie, and I was like, oh, I didn't expect her to see her. No, but here's the thing, though. Take out that scene. If you yeah. take it out and she shows up at the end, maybe they reference her in a joke or two here or there earlier, but you don't visually see her. Her appearance then in the third act I think has so much more impact yeah, where yeah. before they were teasing it and they are making you believe, Oh, she's not really in the movie. And then when she does show up, then you're like, 
Well, then what the hell was the point of that earlier scene? I think they were just playing off the bit that they did with Cavill at the end of uh, the first one, you know, when it's like, oh, the whole Henry Cavill thing. We don't have Superman. So here's just a shot from like the like no face. And I think that's what they were trying to do, because, again, like what you said, I genuinely believe they did not like have the juice at the moment to get Gal Gadot. And then I guess something happened where like whoever was in charge of DC at the time was like, you need to you need to go to set. Like you need to show up. They also probably didn't have the juice to have her on set the same day as the other actors because I don't think there's a single shot where they're. Oh, they're, yeah, they're, oh, they're, yeah. She probably never even met any of them. Let's let's. Be okay, right. all right. Look. No, there's no there's no looking. It looks terrible. It's CG. No, 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 I'm, no, no, I'm, I'm coming somewhere with this. Uh huh. That scene would have been somewhat more impressive if they actually because I. I thought the idea of this running gag between Shazam and Wonder Woman, oh, I was like, okay, that could work. But the whole restaurant scene, if they actually had her in that scene, I would have thought, okay, this is good payoff. But in a sense, no, it's not. And Gio, don't pretend like there's stakes in this movie because there's not. That, oh, that scene yeah. pissed me off because I knew Billy was coming back. But what pissed me off even more is how he came back and how they used Gal Gadot. And do you know what even pisses me off more about this, Matt? This might be the last time we ever see her on the big screen. Uh, oh, oh, to, to that I say good. I know. I, 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 you see, I, I'm not like you, Isaiah. I was like, that's if this is the last time we get live action Gal Gadot Wonder Woman. Is and, and I great. Let perfect way to summarize this. And I love the first Wonder Woman movie. Yeah, yeah, it's good. And I actually think she's pretty good in that movie, given, you know, it's a fish out of water story. And I think that her, um, let's just say, very um, limited acting ability yeah. uh, is <laughs> it, it plays into that very well. Yeah. To quote Nicole, I think it's I think it was Nicole Ackman, previous uh, member here, who said it best. She's not a great actress, but she plays a great Wonder Woman. And that's exactly why I'm upset that she's leaving, because I actually... I mean, I, I enjoyed her in Wonder Woman. I even enjoyed her in the Snyder Cut. But what pisses me yeah. off is that, wow, this is going to be the last time we remember her in something that's just so anticlimactic that does not pay its audience with respect at all. My audience did not respond. My audience is very joked or like laughed throughout the entire film. And it's just, it's just a mess. It's just a mess. I think the irony in it is just beautiful, honestly, deep down. You know, it's just wow. But like even worse, I don't know if you want to talk the end credit sequence. If you stay, if you guys even stayed for that, I don't I don't even know. Heck no, I didn't stay. Well, I, I stayed, but I honestly cannot remember what it even was at this point. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm still OK. So off the top, it's like Shazam and he's just sh- shooting stuff with lightning and it's practically. Um, oh, yeah. Harcourt or whatever from a mm-hmm. Peacemaker. I thought we were going to get a. John Cena cameo. I was so excited. Yeah, but like it's it's them two practically insinuating that he's gonna be like used in the bigger thing. But James Gunn literally went and was like that was filmed way before he was even in charge of DC right now. So if you think you're watching that, like, and he's friends with Zachary Levi apparently. I have it in my mind that Zachary Levi is very confident there's going to be either A, a third Shazam, or he's going to be back. I'm going to be honest, that's probably not happening. And if you watch that, it might give people the inclination that it's like, oh, he's going to stay in this whole new thing for people that even pay attention to that. 
and it's just like why and they even make an avengers joke in it too and i'm just like oh brother like out of all the characters you're just like mixing it up with i like why like why because it's it's a funny show like is as hardcore like the nick fury now of like recruiting people i i've said this before <laughs> oh. i will say it again here we go dc needs to stop trying to copy the marvel formula and what dc needs to do instead is simply make film one film two film three done rinse cycle repeat you like this whole end credits building up to a team up movie shared connected universes i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry we ruined filmmaking matt we we killed it we have and you know what's you know what's even worse about it is that DC has screwed it up so many times at this point, and everybody keeps saying, "Oh no no no, they're going to put it back together." There's hope. You know how many retcons they have done at this point? You know how Good many time. start overs they've had, do overs. Enough is enough. Just just stick to the one off. Just realize that you screwed up early on, and this is it at this point. Look, I think again another big problem. God, it's like you know it's. Like I want to be a positive person, but like when we're talking about something like this, and almost every other sentence is another problem, 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 is that they should have just released these movies, like the Blue Beetle and Aquaman and Shazam and all this shit they have lined up before they even have announced mm-hmm. all these new slates James Gunn's working on. As because the whole purpose of getting James Gunn is like, look, we want you to come in, we want you to fix it all. Make it palpable for people to understand what's going on. New thing, new new ship and new direction. Okay. But, like, you come in, you announce all these movies before these previous movies come out. It's just still equally as confusing to people are going to be like, so is this connected to this? Like, blah, blah, blah. And it just makes no sense whatsoever. Like, if you're going to have James Gunn come in and kind of restart the whole thing. Yeah. Right? Then mm-hmm. why do you have these post credit sequences where they are going to build up to something that we're ultimately never going to see? Like, just take it out. Like, clearly the movie was in the can ready for a bit. Just take it out. No one credit scene. There you go. Movie's done. Like, from like, and then you got Flash, which is coming out soon. Well, yeah. give or take whatever your feelings are on about the actor that leads the film or just the character in general. It's just how much more of that's going to be like Ben Affleck's back. Now I guarantee you people are going to be like, Oh, so Ben Affleck's going to be Batman again. And he, Ben Affleck clearly is like, no, (laughs) like at some point, these filmmakers, studio executives, everyone involved, somebody has to put their foot down and say, you know, guys, film does last forever. People don't forget once it gets put out there in the world, that's it. You can't then decide to go back and retouch the film. I mean, you can in some cases, but that original cut is always going to be out there for people to consume somehow. It's forever going to exist. Yeah. And I just feel like a lot of them have gotten caught up in this idea of, well, we have the money to redo this. We can recast this. Oh, this universe presents a loophole which allows us to, um, you know, get rid of this character and bring in somebody else or whatever the case might be. And I just don't feel like there's careful consideration being paid towards getting these storylines and these characters actually correct. Um, I do want to move off of this, um, and I do want to open it up to any other spoiler topics that the two of you want to touch upon here in this section. I I kind of already accidentally screwed up earlier and made mention that Rachel Zegler is the third uh, daughter of Atlas here, Uh, but 
what did you guys think of that reveal? I mean, obviously, I kind of saw it coming a mile away. Yeah, which is exactly yeah. why it's not a spoiler. I'm sorry. Like, it's the most it's one of those predictable <laughs> things that you could have seen come. And look. Again, Zegler, she's good. It's serviceable. I think that she was the most that I could connect to in terms of. Yeah, cause she's being nice to Freddie. Yeah, like she's she's being nice to Freddie. That whole like John Hughes type of relationship there. Will they? Won't they? It was cute. I mean, I think that Jack Dylan Grazier kind of overdid it a little bit in terms of Freddie's anxiety. There were moments. Hey, hey, yeah. hey! If Rachel Ziegler talked to me, I'm sure Jack Dylan Grazer's reaction <laughs> is practically like very accurate. Okay, I will give them credit for that. Moments where I feel like he kind of overdid it, but that's kind of also simultaneously to Gio's point. That's kind of the charm to his performance, and he really carried, in my opinion, a lot of the comedy that was so hit or miss in this film, especially the scenes with him and Hansu and that little cave like tunnel thing that they were in. Like, it, it was good work. I, I'll say the one thing that we have not mentioned that actually is funny is shout out the Babylon cast member PJ Berg <laughs> in, the, in the beginning of the movie in that therapy bit, which was actually kind of yes. Funny, I will say, and also there's a bit where they reveal themselves or identities to the parents, and everybody's just confessing stuff, and then Kid Pedro's like, "Yeah, and I'm gay," and then they all just looked at him and was like, "Yeah, no, we know. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, cool." And he's like, "Oh, okay. I thought it was funny." Like there, there's certain moments where like the charm and the humor of it like kind of like pop out, and it's like, mm-hmm. "Hey, we're still here," but then it's just the whole sequelitis of it just bogs it down. Matt, I have a question for you. Go ahead. Now, this is another spoiler. I just want to know your thoughts because I, I kind of laughed a little bit during this. What did you think about? Helen Mirren's character's ultimate fate. Oh, I mean, <laughs> listen, it's, it's an old storytelling trope that, you know, always works. We're on the same side until you betray me for your own selfish gain. And now I'm going to help the good guys against you because you stabbed me in the back. Like we've seen that happen so many times in so many movies. I, I didn't care because there was nothing unique. I was not emotionally invested in the villains. I just didn't care. You're telling me this woman literally gets thrown through multiple stories and ceilings and she all of a sudden gets stabbed by a tree dragon it's a mystical tree dragon god damn it hey hey hey! just like nolan said okay just don't think just feel it okay you know <laughs> just just feel it i will say like i said before i i like all the bits involving the dragon i liked that they were flying through the city i actually did think that billy's sacrifice at the end was a good character arc and actually did resonate a bit for me um it was when they brought him back that i was like ah shit well that was all for nothing but everything else leading up to that i was like yeah this is a solid third act it's nothing incredible but i was having fun with it for the most part not like a tremendous amount of fun but you know like like i said this movie wasn't one of the worst i've seen this year it wasn't absolute trash and garbage but at the same time it didn't exactly light my world on fire either um, what I want to do is I want to, I want to get over to, uh, final thoughts. So, uh, Isaiah, we can start off with you here. Any final thoughts on Shazam Fury of the Gods? Anything that we didn't mention you want to reiterate? There is this joke that involves a pen and paper. And when that, uh, pen and paper is delivered to the villains, I actually oh, thought I that like was that. pretty funny. That yeah, was funny. That was okay, good. that was funny. Yeah. Uh, when he's writing, Steve's writing everything. 
what this kind of also just reiterates why I'm, I'm not a big fan of horror films. There's this trope that goes on in this film where you have these citizens who are just encountering these very supernatural like situations and circumstances. And they're just sitting, standing around there just saying, oh, let me see if this thing will hatch and try to kill me. Or let me stand around in this bridge to see if it'll break. Then I'll start running. I, that annoyed me so much just to have these chronicle of Narnia villain monster beings just coming out. And yeah, sure. To your point, Matt, people were getting killed and hurt and it somewhat raised the stakes, but it just, it just felt uneven for me from a directorial perspective. And as far as final thoughts goes, I Agree. I don't hate this movie, but this movie is nothing that I will be remembering anytime soon after we're done with this review. And there will be many other reviews like it. Uh, Giovanni, what about you? It's just hard to think about. I saw it yesterday and don't really remember. Um, Solid performances, I guess. Uh, If you bring your kids, you know, they'll probably enjoy it. Um, It's not my thing. Um, I find it just more of this superhero slop that's just being forced to us and you know maybe maybe this is the beginning like we're seeing like reactions to these films either that are just being pushed out by studios who just overly test things and just want people to desperately like it and you could just feel that feeling when you're watching it and you know if it's not something like the batman or who knows what guardians 3 comes out if that's good maybe maybe it is and maybe we're wrong about the superhero trend going out and it'll be back but as of now i just find this uh, another domino and the long line of a declining trend um i i probably won't remember it i in a few days but um you know again take your kid maybe they'll just like to see a dude flying beat up a dragon i don't know when this happened but at a certain point i came to the realization that superhero movies are the musical the western of their time and that they are going to have a peak and then they are going to fall and then what's going to probably end up happening is they're going to go away for a little while i still think the biggest mistake that hollywood has done with the superhero genre was they decided to make movie studios predominantly focused on turning these films out. It just boggles my mind. Paramount, Warner Brothers, Universal, Disney, all these other existing studios should be adding superhero films as a genre to their repertoire every year. And that's the way it should be. You should not have studios wholly dedicated to making Nothing else but these kinds of movies. Because unfortunately, it's all going to end at some point. And I agree with you, Giovanni. If we just start seeing each film coming out with poor critical reception, diminishing box office returns, it's going to send the entire industry into a spiral. And everyone's going to freak out. No one's going to know what to do. You know why? Because they put all their chips in the basket of banking on these movies being profitable and audience friendly forever. That is a problem. You can't do that. You just reminded me real quickly. Uh, kind of tangent, not really. It's about DC. Forgot that totally 100% forgot the Black Adam came out before this for DC. And in my mind, this is just random. Uh, you scrapped uh, Batgirl because apparently it's so unwatchable. 
And uh, and then you deliver these two movies because you think like Batgirl like is not going to make money, and that was like what ninety million. Like this movie, so Shazam's right now projected to make like not even thirty mil, maybe. I mean, it's like one hundred twenty-five mil plus budget, so plus ads. So like, I don't know why that didn't come out. I feel like I would have been way more interested in that. But like, I again, it, it seems like at a certain point. Say what we want about Marvel, whatever I said. At least with those early movies, there was like a sense of like direction. There was a sense yep. of like artistry to it. No, 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 no. I'm I'm gonna tell you what it really was. What it really was, we didn't know what it was building up to. Put yourself in the mindset of the time, right? We didn't know what it was exactly building up to. All we knew from the Sam Raimi films, the Tim Burton films, the Christopher Nolan films, all those other superhero movies that came out years before the Marvel MCU came along was you make a film, you have a sequel, maybe there's a third film, and that's it. The filmmaker moves on and the studio moves on. And then you reboot the character with a different filmmaker, different actor a couple of years later. That was the cycle. And Mm -hmm. so when these early movies came out, a lot of people thought, oh, this is going to be the same cycle. And then it will build up to an Avengers movie, and then that'll be it. And then everybody will move on, you know? But then it just kept going and going and going. And it's this never-ending story now. And the problem with never-ending stories is that they are exactly that. They are never-ending. They don't have endings. Where is the payoff? If you don't ever deliver on payoff, then how can you ever expect anyone to get, ever get emotionally invested in anything? Because the stakes diminish then over time. Yep. And the sad thing about it is that even when Marvel and the MCU was kicking off and coming into their prime, like when I think of phase one, two through three, even then it was still a story that worked for me and that at least had a sense of direction. Like for me, Endgame is the climactic ending of a storyline within the MCU, whether they want to continue it or not. At least that had a sense of direction, which to your point they're trying to copy and paste a formula that is just not working for them. And that somewhat gives me hope in James Gunn and what he's doing. But even in that sense, you have to find what works for you, whether it's these one-off films or whether it's these one-off films with a sequel like Batman and Joker, some of the better DC movies that I've actually seen recently, you you just have to find something that works and not try to copy and paste and try to cheat off of someone's homework. Because when you cheat off of someone's homework, it might work the first few times, but it's never going to work for you in the long run. And that's something that I think ultimately is the reason why DCEU has met its fate. I don't know if it's the fate so much because they've clearly shown that they're going to keep on continuing. But what I I really think what they need to do is they need to draw a line, stop, and literally hit the reset button. It's the only thing that they can do at this point to salvage this because if you start trying to treat these movies as canon, it makes absolutely no sense at a certain point. And that is the problem that Shazam Fear of the Gods has outside of some of the other things that we mentioned here before, too. I know we're getting off into like a grander conversation about the state of the industry and superhero films just in general. But it bears mentioning because this is a film under DC uh, since James Gunn took over. And it, you know, it, it should have that level of scrutiny. But also at the same time, let's not forget this was supposed to come out a while ago. It did get delayed due to COVID. James Gunn coming on is a new recent development. So maybe we shouldn't hold it to that high of a standard. And maybe this is the last of that broken system. And what we see moving forward will be more positive, I hope. Uh, maybe if I say the word Shazam, I'll get a 
more robust, beefier, better version of the DC universe. I don't know. Hey, hey, Tom Cruise liked The Flash, okay? So apparently, <laughs> <laughs> apparently there's something there. <laughs> yeah. For final thoughts on Shazam Fury of the Gods, uh, does anybody have anything that they want to add? Anything that we didn't mention or did we say everything? Somebody brought it to my attention and I- I'll give it credit where credit is due. The costume designs on the villains, I thought were pretty impressive. As far as costume designs go into DCEU, I've never been consistently impressed that much. But this is actually one of the better achievements, I would say, within this universe. I'm glad that you brought that up, Isaiah, because I don't know a single other person that would have brought it up. And I have absolutely no thoughts to contribute to that whatsoever. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm with Matt. I'm with Matt. I respect that I respect Good for you for finding value there. Um, my only other final thoughts that I have on this are... I did notice, and I'm sure you guys probably noticed it too, that some of the kills in this movie are pretty brutal at times. There's like some impalings going on. And, you know, I I was actually kind of uh, surprised that for a film that's geared towards children as much that some of the, you know, ways that the villains dispatch uh, some of the citizens and things like that. I was like, oh, wow. I was like, this is... Yeah. Dude that hits his face in concrete, like in the beginning of the movie, I audibly was like, oh, damn. Okay. I don't know why you guys are surprised. I literally just saw a guy in a office meeting get his head bitten off in the first film i mean like that's true uh, yeah total inconsistency within this film so like yeah sure and then my last uh point here do you think that like wolf blitzer has like a contract with like any of these studios or do you think he's just so happy to take the paycheck anytime they hit him up i was thinking (laughs) i was just thinking i was like there's like between like three news anchors that like anytime it's either dom lubman wolf blitzer (laughs) or like anderson cooper (laughs) in the words of loki a bit of both well my overall grade for this movie it's actually not as low as people probably think it is um I, i had fun for you know a certain segment of it And for the most part, I do still think it's pretty harmless. It's geared towards children. I do think that, you know, if you're hovering around the ages of between like six and, you know, like 12, I'm sure you probably would get something out of this, maybe more so than I would today. So I'm going to give it a five out of 10. I gave the first film a six out of 10, but I consider this a step down. So, you know, it's probably worse than that in all honesty. But yeah, five out of 10 for me. Giovanni, what about you? Yeah, I agree with you. It probably should be lower, but I'll give it a five out of ten. That's where I'm feeling right now. Isaiah? The three amigos are going three for three. I'm also giving it a five out of ten. It's not the worst DCEU movie. I guess you could say Black Adam and Suicide Squad are worse, but again, it's not really saying much. I, I think this film is fine, mixed bag, fun at sometimes, just a fine film. Okay, and then for any Oscar potential for this movie, no. No. That's it. No. 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 Sorry. Not happening. I don't care how many Oscar winners you add to this Helen Mirren. All right. (laughs) You're not going to add that level of prestige. It's not going to happen. I just want to entertain this. Did the first film even make the VFX short list? Isaiah, we're moving on. Sorry. This is just entertaining it. It's not (laughs) happening. (laughs) Let me have my fun. (laughs) All right. Well. You can have fun offline. Tell everyone that's listening right now where they can find you on the internet, Isaiah. You can find me at I-Z-A-B-O-D-13 and on Twitter. Giovanni Lago, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at the Giovanni Lago. 
and you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we will see you all next time. That's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.